Julio, I'm gonna ask you this one time, one time only. Choose carefully, choose wisely, heads or tails. You're gonna cheat. Shut up, bro, bro, bro. So I don't even matter of fact. Tails. I apologize. Shut up is a little aggressive. But you said tails. Tails, but you're gonna cheat. So how am I going? Siri? Hey Siri. He has the setting set up in his phone. Pick heads or tails. What do you mean I'm sorry? What is that? <laughs> hey Siri. Heads or tails? It's heads. You're cheating. What are you talking you. about? I do you want to do it off? No. Matter of fact, no. We're not doing it off your phone. We're gonna do it on on the on the computer. What does that mean? What's the difference? Like pick a number close. No, like bro. 10, bro. It's two I of us. I, I called you. It's two of I us. I called it. What you mean? You called this? You would it. lose? Yeah. It's a literal 50-50 shot. <laughs> no, not with your phone. What are you? Hello. You've reached Hoop and Holler. A square one podcast on basketball and other shenanigans. Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo Whoa. of Lion Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. So <laughs> we don't got that clutch connection. And Julio Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap. It comes from at underscore underscore uh, KLU2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact that you knew there were two underscores before the clap. at underscore underscore KLU. He knows your that, Twitter. That means I'm tweeting it too much. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball. If you couldn't tell, by the way, we started the episode, we're going to do a draft today, okay? We're drafting uh, second-round players and undrafted players, okay? Um, as y'all know, drafts are one of the, the specials that we like to do on Hoop and Holler, one of the cornerstones. Shout-out to the uh, formerly the JJ Reddit podcast, now Old Man in the Three. They do a lot of drafts, and we kind of st- – we, we took their whole flow. <laughs> we took their whole fucking flow. No, they took it. Um, but, yeah, we like doing drafts on Hoop and Holler. So that's what we're going to be doing today, second-round picks and undrafted players. We got a pool. We had 10 minutes of prep time or maybe a little bit more than 10 minutes of prep time. Um, and evidently Julio gets the first pick because he wants it. No, nah, bro. Let's it. just do it. New- let's do it neutral ground on the computer. <sighs> Julio. You want me to go? You want we'll, me to Google it right now? We'll we'll pause the podcast and then resume. No, it. no, let's keep it going because I want to hear the bullshit. Like if you bullshit me again, I just want everybody to know. Okay. Pick a number. I don't know. One through a thousand. Fuck it. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> fuck it. A million. <laughs> fuck it. A trillion. Pick a number three. Wait, one through a trillion. One. One in a thousand. One in a thousand. Okay. <laughs> Um, random number generator, number generator, and it popped up. This is neutral ground. You better not be logged into your Google account. I am logged into my Google <laughs> account, actually. All right, what number you got? I'm gonna pick 650. I'm gonna go, uh, 500. That's what happens when we use. Neutral grounds. The number it's was done. 175, ladies it's and done. gentlemen. Julio gets the first overall pick. He's done. Because he pouted for it. And no, that's what happens when you, you know use what? neutral ground. I get it, Julio. 
because usually these things don't go your way. You're the oldest in your family. You have two younger sisters. Usually you got. I'm not the oldest in my family. Oh yeah, you got your older brother. Well, I guess you just you just different. You're the, you're the middle child, <laughs> so middle. you don't get that much attention, you know. So you got to come on here and get you know get your attention. You know, whatever, whatever. We gonna get to the draft later. We gonna start this episode with mid-seasons awards. We're past the All Star break. We have a little bit more of the season to go, like forty percent or so. So we are gonna give out some awards for guys that we think have deserved it up to this point. Y'all know the drill: MVP, Most Improved, Six Man, Rookie of the Year, all that good stuff. So we are gonna run through that, and then we are gonna get into the draft. All right? Yes, sir. So, do you want to start with MVP? Let's go MVP. Or do you want to finish with MVP? Let's go MVP. Let's go MVP. Julio Martinez, your MVP to this point of the 2021-2022 season is. This was my only pick that I knew in his jaw. I wanted to. I wanted to do a Go whole. Ahead. I wanted to do a whole thing about how it should be Jaw and how we're not talking about Jaw. But why don't you go ahead and talk about why you have Jaw? I just think it, it, it's the same reasoning I, I had last year with Steph. Mm-hmm. It's it, I, again. I'm not saying he's the best player in the league. He's well on his way. The the way he's been playing this year, and if he keeps on that progression, on that uh, you know, kind of trajectory, um, but he's definitely been the best player so far. Um, this year, and I feel like most people are going to give it to Giannis. Obviously, the Bucks are, are having not a great, amazing year, but he's he himself is is having a good year. But when it comes to Ja, you see that not only his game has been taken to the next level, but his game in 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 conjunction with his team mm. has been taken to the next level. And I'm one of those guys who's like, uh, j- just like what I was saying last year with Steph. Um, it's not that I don't really care about team wins, but when his play affects, you know, winning that much, you just have to take it, take that into account. And it's not like they got, you know, Dre, uh, uh, Clay Thompson back. It's not like they, you know, a bunch of role players um, that, you know, the, the, he had a second all-star is what I'm trying to say. And so um, even though, you, you know, you're going to give love to uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., it's really... Ja, yes, it's a group effort, but it's Ja who stands alone in the like he leads the charge easily. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he he gets a lot of helps from his troops, but um, I I just feel like it, it's him by far and away. Like he's just leading that team to, far and to, away? to a whole new level. Okay, yeah, I'm not sure it's far and away, but Julio, I want you to do me a favor, okay? Yep. I'm about to stand on my soapbox. I'm literally about to stand up, so I need you to get your phone. I need you to record me because the world needs to hear this, okay? <laughs> The world needs to hear this shit. Okay? I'm going to stand my ass up because I've been thinking about this a lot. And I wrote a whole lot of notes on my phone. And y'all going to hear this shit. Okay? The MVP is John Morant. But taking it past that argument in my affinity for Memphis and my affinity for John Morant, I just think we need to have an open-minded conversation about who can be a most valuable player in the NBA. Understandably so, there tends to be a direct correlation between the agreed-upon best players in the league and the candidates for MVP in a given year, right? These are the guys that we consider to be like the top seven, eight, nine uh, players in the NBA. They stand head and shoulders above everyone else. Whoever among those guys is having the best year, that's who we tend to give the MVP to. Are you with me, Julio? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So like for the NBA right now, that's your LeBrons, that's your KDs, that's your Hardens, that's your Embiid's, that's your Jokic's, that's your Giannis. 
we just basically say, Steph, whoever among y'all is having the best season, y'all going to be the MVP. Exactly. And we exclude a lot of people from the conversation in doing that. Now, generally, on a given year, that method works, right? Because they're the top seven, eight players in the league for a reason. But I think every so often, there's a year where we have to move away from that. What I'll call a rose year. We're not moving away from that. Moving away from what? That. The methodology? I'm just saying, like, we should be. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Right now, the rhetoric is still around Steph, Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, yada, yada. But I'm saying... You have two dudes in the NBA right now, and I'll get to them, that deserve arguably more so than the top seven, eight players in the NBA right now to be at the forefront of that conversation. So I'm calling it a rose year, right? Before the 2010-2011 season where Derrick Rose won the MVP, he was not considered among the upper echelon of NBA players, right? At that point in time, it was LeBron, it was KD, it was Kobe, Kobe, it was Dwight, it was Dwayne Wade, it was Carmelo, it was Dirk. And those guys, um, if I'm not mistaken, not all of them, but a lot of those guys have MVPs to their name. So heading into that season, I did the research. Those were the people that they thought would win the MVP. But you had this magical, electric, dynamic season from Derrick Rose. And they finished at the first in the East. I think they had the best record in the NBA, 62 wins, something like that. And they ended up giving the award. Rightfully so, to Derrick Rose. Even though he wasn't amongst those players in the beginning, he earned the right to stand with them, right? You showed me, you sent me the video the other day where he comes out yeah. with the All-Star. He's kind of just stone cold dead serious. But his point is, his 2011 season was so crazy, so dynamic, that he pushed his way into that conversation. Now, I'm going to argue, I am arguing, that given the trajectory of John Morant's season... Oh, folks was trying to compare them to He's so much better. He's better. Yeah, 100%. We can get into that, too. But given the trajectory of his season and given the trajectory of another Chicago Bull, DeMar DeRozan's season, both of those dudes should be, if not the one and two, up there in the top three, four for the MVP conversation. I get it. Jokic is having a great year. Phenomenal year. He always does. Embiid's having a great year. Phenomenal year. He always does. Steph started out with an electric season. Giannis is fucking Giannis, right? But you can't ignore the fact that these two dudes are on two of the four best teams in the NBA right now. And every night they're coming with some crazy shit. I mean, you've seen DeMar DeRozan's game winners. You've seen, fuck, just last night. John Morant was doing some crazy shit. Buzzer beater, dunking on portal. How is he not in the MVP conversation? And this is where I get, so, and I'm going to sit down. That's my little, that's my little sermon. But it just frustrates me because... We as an NBA fan base, like we're so closed minded and boxed in on who we think the top guys are that we just refuse to accept that there can be other people who stand with them on a given season. Am I going to sit up here and say, I think DeMar DeRozan is a top 10 NBA player? No. no. But in the fucking 2021, 2022 season, that's a dude's a top three player. Easy. John ja Morant, same shit. I have MVP, John ja Morant. Honestly, that's a little biased there because that's my dog. Mm. But like, how can like why why are we so close minded about this shit? Why why I went through and you look at all the MVP stuff. It's like Jokic, Giannis, Steph, maybe LeBron from well, some like uh, LeBron. Also, when you look at Demar, De- also when you look at Demar Derozan, you also have to look at the fact that the Chicago Bulls are great. Have, have taken such a freaking leap 
And so that that that's another great example of like I someone who doesn't even take into account winning and losing all that much. I have to take that into account, especially when you're a quote unquote co-star and he is a co-star. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be their best player has been out and he's low key been playing second fiddle to DeMar mm. low key. Throughout yeah. the season, I mean, and, are, I, I, between the two of them, I'm sure neither one of them really cares because no, they both I, trust. And I, the, and I know, and I know that, that they don't. But what I'm saying is that Demar's having the better season, and it's just it's crazy because what changed for Chicago? It's not like they they got a bunch of uh, yeah, they got Lonzo, yeah, they got Caruso, but guess what? Those guys bitch. have been out so much, and so who's been the constant denominator? Who hasn't really missed games? Demar. And so that's what's leading the charge. And it's like the criteria for what defines an MVP changes every year. And to an extent, I understand that because each season's context is different and the narratives that dominate each season is different. But if fucking, I don't know, there's no guard like John Morant and there's no player like DeMar DeRozan, right? But if it was like, Kevin Durant with pulling on those same game-winning shots, putting up those same numbers, having the same longevity yeah, on yeah. a night-to-night basis that DeMar DeRozan's have, it would be easy. Yeah, that's your MVP right there, yeah, yeah. guaranteed. If it was, and I know they play two different styles of basketball, but if this was Stephen Curry on a night-to-night basis, not necessarily struggling like he has been, quote-unquote, struggling for Steph Curry, but if it was Stephen Curry putting up on a nightly basis fucking – Viral videos every night. Every time he steps on the court, you see John Moran. Oh, I, what thought, he I thought you were gonna say putting up numbers. Yeah, I mean he's but putting you, up numbers. You mean like highlights? I'm like it's not just highlights because I don't think that's what is the end all be all. But it's just like there's an electricity to John Morant. Because that, I will say, last year Steph had one of the craziest years ever, and they didn't give him the MVP. Yeah, he did. He did. Don't get me wrong. But it's like in conjunction with the fact that that team has taken a leap like they have, and they're p- number three pushing number two in the West about to surpass the Golden State Warriors, how can you not include John Morant's name in the MVP conversation? Oh, yeah. I just think it's dumb. It's stupid. It's asinine. It's all the adjectives that you can apply to it that indicate that we're just fucking dumb as an NBA fan base, by and large. Because it's not fair. It's not fair to certain dudes. Because it's it's, it's like saying at the beginning of the season, I have these eight guys in mind that could win. And I'm just going to, you know, fit in the box that one of these narratives has to win out over these other eight narratives and not open your mind to the fact that there could be other dudes out there who are putting together damn great seasons given the context of what we've described an MVP to be in the past. Yeah. Now go, now going forward, Ja has entered his name in, into yeah, that conversation. Yeah, but it's like, it's fucked up that he can't and, be in it this year. No, and, and, and I get it. So that's my choice, but who do I feel like is going to win? I, I think it'll be uh, Giannis or Embiid. What yeah, it's you? like, I can see Embiid. It's just hard with James Harden entering the fold now. Yeah. Um, I could see it, it, it's really going to depend on how the end of the season turns around with records, honestly, because um, they won't give it to Jokic because his team's not good enough. That's um, it's it's dumb. Yeah. Um, obviously, Bron can't get it. KD can't get it because he's out. Steph probably won't get it because he's been struggling for a while. Um, so, yeah, those are the two dudes that come to mind as like head to head for it and beat in and beat in Giannis. But it's like. How can you not put John Morant's season right up there next to Giannis and Embiid? How can you not put DeMar DeRozan's season up there next to, like, them? It just, I, I could talk about that shit all day, bro. Let's yeah. move on. Um, Depoy? Depoy. Who's your Depoy? Um, I want to give it to somebody new, and 
another team that's taken a real jump. And when I say jump, I don't really just focus on on record. I just feel like in the way that you know they're anchoring not not only the defense but just the entire team. And so uh, another team that I, I've talked about before, similar to the Chicago Bulls, that have sustained so many injuries. It's it's unfortunate, especially for a young team like this one that's on the come up, and that's Jared Allen. Mm. That that man ha- has just been just anchoring the the entire team, along obviously with Evan Mobley, but um, you know. Freaking Colin Sexton's out, then Rubio's out, then you know they get a backup in Rondo. Rondo's out. Darius Garland's now out. Uh, Isaac Okoro's out. Laurie Marketing was out. You got old ass Kevin Love coming in. It's like you know Jetty Osmond got to run the point along with Brandon Goodwin, and so um, that's fr- from th- that's from the perspective of the entire team, but especially when it comes to the defensive end. Uh, I, I, you got to also give credit to, you know, the coaching staff for being bold and trying out those, you know, playing three bigs at the same time. Mm-hmm. But obviously you can argue that it's been kind of more like a tandem in yeah, Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. But I, I just think, uh, um, Jared Allen's just been spectacular this year. I'm going to accuse you of something, Julio. Go ahead. I'm going to say that you just didn't want to give us a Draymond Green, even though he, you and I both. He's know. hurt. I mean, he's hurt, but he's supposed to come back soon. And I feel like if he comes back within the next, call it two weeks, and he has still like he remains with the same um, play that he has, you got to give it to him. The Warriors have the best defense in the NBA. Where are they at now? Where are they at? Like in terms of their record or like their defense? Number one. Without Draymond. Draymond hasn't been out for long enough for us to say like. He's been out what? Like two weeks? Yeah, something like that. So they're still number one in that time frame. Oh, I don't know. That's what this I was is, this is the, I, yeah, I couldn't tell you within that time frame what they've been. I can tell you that they've been struggling, and I can tell you that as much as the people want to put that on Steph and it's 38% from three, teams still defend Steph the exact same way, so it opens up the same opportunities for other teammates, and they play the same t- type of basketball. Where they've been lacking is on the defensive end. And Maybe they're just not as good as you guys thought that they would be. Perhaps, I'm right. But I think that you just don't want to give to Draymond, even though you know, like I know, Draymond Green is the rightful defensive player of the year this year. We didn't know if he'd have it or not after last season, but there wasn't much to play for last season. There's a lot to play for this season. When he's been on the court and healthy, which has been the vast majority of the season, he's been a fucking menace, doing all of the Draymond things that we know him to do, quarterbacking the best defense in the NBA, communication, anticipation, on-ball, off-ball, help defense, all that good stuff. He does it. Every coach in the NBA knows it. Eric Spolstra even in arguing for his own guy to have a shot at the defensive player of the year, which I think Bam Adebayo should be in the conversation. He's just been but, hurt, too. Yeah, but Eric Spolstra said Bam is the only guy who does what he does in the NBA besides Draymond Green. He's arguing for his own dude, talking about, yeah, Draymond Green's that guy. Mm. You just don't like Draymond. I don't. Yeah, I know. I he's, your, he's the defensive player of the year, though. No, he's not. Over Jared Allen? If you're going to give it to Jared Allen... You better put Evan Mobley right next to him so they can hoist it together. Like, come on. I mean, who got better defenders? Between who? The Cavs and and the Warriors. Well, if you ask me, if you're able to lock down the rim, it makes the game a lot more difficult. Okay, so why not put JaVale McGee and 
fucking Rudy Gobert out there. Because those two don't have the IQ and mobility of a Jared Allen. But I'm I'm mobility. I'm locking up the rim though. No, you're not. I am. Because you know you're gonna have like Rudy Gobert at the rim. And you will have JaVale McGee supposed to be in help side, but his head's over where looking in the corner for some reason. It's not the same thing. You couldn't do what you're doing without having a guy like Evan Mobley. And this isn't a discount Jared Allen because his ice cube's up there too. We saw it in Brooklyn. But Evan Mobley is really the key to what the um, the Cavs do defensively. Because he's mobile enough to stay on the perimeter, he's able to protect the rim, and he sees the court damn near like Draymond does. Give it a few years, Evan Mobley is going to be the most effective defender in the NBA because he does he checks all the boxes of mobility, IQ, anticipation. Maybe the communication could be a little bit better. He's not the most vocal dude, but like in terms of his instincts to play defense, it's all there. It's all there. So I'm gonna would, give it to a guard next year. Why? Why should Defensive Player of the Year in today's NBA why ever should go it be to a, a non-big? Why should it go because to protecting a the rim is the most vital thing in today's NBA. Guarding the perimeter is the most. You can only thing. guard what and okay unless guarding you, the perimeter. Unless is the most you're pointing to me, job. It's the most difficult thing. I, I would argue that you know we might discount how difficult it is to protect the rim as well. But if the only way I would ever argue that it should go to a perimeter defender over a big is if you're showing me a perimeter defender who is dodging screens and getting around screens and sticking to um, lead ball handlers better than anyone we've ever seen in NBA history. Because nine times out of 10, if you have a good screen setter, Bro, he's taking that dude out the play. I, I, I don't, like a dude who I think will win it, Herb Jones. You, you know what Herb folks, Jones can win it. You know what folks don't understand is that there's only one place on the court you can score. What? There's only one place on the court that you can score the to get points, right? There's only one location. When it comes to the fucking perimeter, you you don't know where where your fucking man is going. Mm -hmm. Like where the offensive player is going. Mm -hmm. And so you on an island, especially with NBA players now. And so oh, what I feel like with, with Biggs a lot of times, it's not that they come to you because yes, Biggs can step out onto the perimeter, you know, on onto the perimeter, but you're funneling them. To a known location. Mm -hmm. When you're playing defense on the perimeter, there is no known location. Mm -hmm. You're at their fucking mercy. So even if somebody drops 20 on your head, that might be amazing defense still. You know? Mm -hmm. That's my what point. What made Anthony Davis so effective for the Lakers during the Anthony Davis run? is a anomaly. unknown com I know. commodity. He's an anomaly. Right? I don't know what he is. But the fact that he was protecting the rim the way that he did is why the Lakers were so great defensively. And they still gave it to? The MVP? No, the Defensive Player of the Year. Who'd they give it to that year? Rudy Gobert. Yes, yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah, that's silly. But, like, Yo. The, to, to me, the, the guys <laughs> that should be winning it are the bigs who don't get shat on in pick and roll and protect Rudy the Gobert. rim. Gets I'm, I'm, shat I'm, I'm, on. I'm, 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 I'm not doing the Rudy Gobert thing with you right now. I'm not. It's fucking trash. I, it's Rudy Go Honestly, I feel like at this point in the game, we overstate how much Rudy Gobert gets shat on in pick and roll. It's not as bad as it used to be. Okay? And he's hyper-effective at protecting the rim. But I'm not going to go down that road if with you. If I was 7-3, my, my point is... I would be doing oh, the same don't, shit. Don't do this with me. Don't, I would be doing do the same shit. Don't do this with me. Point being... <laughs> Draymond Green is your rightful defensive player of the year because he's quarterbacking the number one defense in the NBA. He's not a rim protector in the sense that he's blocking shots, but he is stopping dudes from access to that one spot of the court that you talked about. I'm going to pull in, Eddie. I don't care enough about defense to argue about Draymond. You know what? 
Okay, we can just move on since we don't care about <laughs> this next. This next guy, like, uh, do you want to do? Let, let's do six man because I have a lot to say about most improved. So we can start at six man. Who you got? I got Tyler Hero. I got Tyler Hero. Okay. Yeah, one, yeah. Once you said his name, because I, I was looking for names like who can be six man, is definitely Tyler, yeah, Tyler Hero. It, it, it's not even. It's probably, that, that he's one's dropping not twenty. Even close. Yeah, he's dropping yeah. twenty off the bench. You can't give it to anyone else. And so like he he's like the he has a skill set to be a starter, but you know they obviously just want to bring him off the bench. Yeah. Other dudes I had was like Jordan Poole, but he's started more games than he's come off the bench, so you really can't include him in the conversation. Um, Kevin Love. I like what Hassan Whiteside has been doing off the bench for Utah. I'm not gonna lie, like in those in those pockets where they need him to be effective, he's been really effective. Yeah. You, you hear that, Eddie? Bro, you hear that, Eddie? Hassan, Hassan Whiteside, Whiteside, like in, in, Rudy Gobert. You ever 2. got? 0. You ever have that? Like, I can't even call it a friend, but like associate. That's like, I can rock with you for like an hour, but like beyond that, I don't want to be around you. You know what I mean? Like, I can rock with you for a little bit, but. You need to get from around me, like my my clock's ticking with you. You can't be around me the whole day. You know what I mean? I feel like that's a sign white side. Like I can rock with you for twenty minutes. You can't play thirty six, but I can rock with you for a cool twenty. And if you in a very confined, refined role, yeah, cool. He's been really effective. Fucking Hell, when trash. Rudy Gobert was out, he was pretty damn good. No. And maybe you can make the argument that that speaks to is that more an indictment on Hassan Whiteside or Rudy Gobert? Rudy Gobert. But, but, but I would, I'm not trying to go there with you, Julio. I'm not. I was just saying Hassan Whiteside has not been as egregiously bad as we've seen him be in certain years. Um, and then I also wanted to shout out Tyus Jones. I don't think he's going to win the award or is even going to – he might get a few votes, but he's been crucial to what Memphis has been doing this year, particularly when John Morant had to sit out some games. He came in and started and facilitated the offense very well. You're able to play him um, next to John Morant, which helps a lot. Um, his, his assist to turnover is always crazy. Um, and then he's kind of the the leader of that bench unit, which I would say is a, the most dominant bench unit in the NBA right now. So like, you got to at least shout out Dias Jones. Um, but honestly, you have multiple dudes on that Memphis bench who could, you you can, Kyle Anderson, DeAnthony Melton, solid dudes, solid dudes. Most improved player. I got a few names. For yeah, it's a couple. L- right, let's just get out the way. The person that they're going to choose is Ja. The reason I didn't... They better not. The, the reason I, I, I'm not going to mention his name is because um, number one, I think it's the same thing as the... Kind of like the Brandon Ingram effect yeah. when he went to the Pelicans. It's not that it wasn't in his game last He'd year. or the Yeah. So it, it's just him feeling more empowered and motivated to really take the mantle and lead this team. That that's that's the perspective I take. I also don't want to mention him for this award because he I think be MVP. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. They so, better not get us. That, that would be Obviously a, a most improved player like that's dope, but it's also kind of like a slap in the face. It's here's a slap a, in the face here, to how good he's been. Here's a little award for you because we want to give it to the big dogs type of thing. Yeah. So um anyways, I I have three names. For damn, I can't even read my last name. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I have it's it. Martinez. So, I think the guy the I'm gonna go with. This is so tough. This is so tough. Please um, don't pick my guy. Please don't pick my guy. And I feel like this is getting real, real popular. Um, fuck, and I know who you're gonna choose. So let me choose somebody else. Anthony Simons. You picked Anthony. So who was I gonna pick? Oh, that's who you're going to pick? No, no, no. That's not who I oh, picked. Oh, Darius Garland. No. No, absolutely not. DeJounte Murray? Absolutely not. Um, I wasn't going to pick Darius Garland because, okay, I had written a little thing out for this too. 
Anyways, but let me go on yeah, Anthony you got Simons. You, got you. Anthony, I, Sim- Anthony Simons is the only guy other than the person I'm saying that I think warrants getting this award. So a- Anthony Simons, I think, was kind of like in a weird kind of situation and role. And so when he first came into the league, I think it was two, three years ago maybe, he would play some games. And I remember, I don't know if I told the story on the pod already. Um, or, so. or just like, on the group chat, that? I was like, like "Who is this yeah. dude? This dude can ball." But then it was like one, one and a half, two years where I almost didn't hear his name anywhere. Like he would only get five minutes a game, get some DMPs, then get twenty minutes a game, depending on you know if CJ got hurt. Mm-hmm. And because they had so many guards, and because it was a veteran, you know, heavy squad, they wanted to win. Now they're gonna prioritize playing vet, vets over, you know, younger guys. You know, you got CJ, Dame, Norman Powell, all the Rodney, even Rodney Hood when they had him for a minute. They're going to prioritize playing those dudes. So then I kind of forgot about Anthony Simons. And I was like, oh, whatever. And so when he started popping off this year, the first few games, I was like, yeah, I don't know. But then when it got to like game five of him going insane, I was like, his game is really built so crazy. And, you know what and can, it looks like when you see it. Yeah. yeah. It, like he's just, he's just straight up a baller and, and you can tell is so sustainable for, for the long term. And mm-hmm. that's definitely the way he, a, he a like foundational snakes around screens and snakes like around that. screens. He's so comfortable in a step back. And yes, I will say it, it, it this is another like job BI type of thing where he just, mm. he had to feel empowered by his squad, mm-hmm. but from going, you know, getting some DMPs last year to now doing what he's doing now and, you know, going to be the future of the Blazers. We'll, we'll see what happens with Dame. Mm-hmm. But I just, I, I have to give it to him. Yeah. Anthony Simons, I would say, was the only other guy that I truly consider for this award um, for all the reasons that you just said. Like, you, in terms of, like, the, 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 you have two, I mean, there's more than two, but typically you have, a, a like, a, a scoring guard who really can't mm-hmm. put the ball on the floor like that, like CJ, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not like necessarily a facilitator like you'd want them to be. Or you have like your guy that you hand the ball and you give mm-hmm. him the keys and you say go. And he has all the makings of oh, that. Yeah. It was just a matter of whether the shot would continue to fall, Exa- which it has. Exactly. And, and the thing about it was that in previous years when I would watch him play, he was like, I thought he was like a spot-up shooter, like they probably used him like that. That that's the way that they used him, and obviously you got to favor Dame, you got to favor CJ when, when you're trying to yeah, win even now. Norman Powell, he was in a and shitty Norman situation. Like you had and, and guards. Yeah, the, the, that, Gary that's, Trent. That's like, exactly what it was. Gary Trent, and that's exactly what it was. They they used him like a spot up shooter, and then this year, I mean, you see the shit he pulls out of his bag. Oh my god. Yeah, he's tough. Oh my lord. So th- that's that's my guy. The guy that I picked. And let me preface by saying this. Um, he next to Anthony Simons, this guy has the second biggest points per game jump from last season to this one. But honestly, I I want you to forget about that. You in the audience, you Julio, forget about that because I feel like that way too often qualifies guys for most improved player when it's that's not the story, right? Definitely. Sometimes you know people like we talked about Ja, Bi. I would put Darius Garland in this mold. They have it in them, but yeah. you know whether it's increased usage, yeah. uh, a better system, a hot shooting season. Um, that's why I didn't think of a guy like Desmond Bain. I think Desmond had a lot of what he's showing this season in him already. 
Um, maybe a little bit slight uptick in his guard skills for where he's able to handle the rock. But in terms of the shooting, you give Desmond Bain four shots a game, he's hitting 40%. You mm-hmm. hit him seven shots a game, he's hitting 40%. You give him 12 threes a game, he's going to hit 40%. Yeah. Um, I took DeJounte Murray out because I think a lot of what we've seen this season he had in him, but he just had a backload of guards. Um, and they also had DeMar DeRozan, but somebody had to take the keys after DeMar DeRozan left, and it ended up being DeJounte. And they have Jordan Poole because you saw the flashes of Jordan Poole. It just took increased usage. Even Miles Bridges, a lot of the, what he's doing this year, um, although he's getting more usage and more play and more highlights, I think he was capable of these things before. Yeah. So I'm looking for a guy who's clearly from last season to this season, they got in the lab, they got in the gym, over the offseason, worked on the craft, and came back this year with new wrinkles in their game that they did not have before, whether that was new things that they were capable of or intellectually they understood the game at a higher level than they did previously. So that guy for me, I think Anthony Simmons qualifies, but I picked Tyrese Maxey. Silence. Nothing? Nothing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he cool. You cool? He cool. Here's why I picked Tyrese, it, Tyrese it, How's his shooting from last year to this year? He's shoot, he went from 30% from three to 40% from three. And field, field goal percentage, he went. Oh wait, I have it in here. Um, it, it, I didn't, I didn't quantify it, but it went up. <laughs> but how many pretty, more shots is he taking? He's taking a lot more shots. Good. Maybe not a lot, but he's getting more minutes, more shots, more usage, all that good stuff. Um, but this year, my, my point with him is not even statistics, but we're seeing a much more. We knew what he was when he came out. A lot of people didn't, but you know, if you know what to look for, you saw the signs with Maxi. He was shifty. He'd get downhill quick. He was a pretty good finisher at the rim. He showed all the flashes in his rookie season. But this year, you're seeing a much more refined craft from him, right? Um, In what I've seen from him in the 76ers, it's more controlled. It's more poised. It's more patient. Um, He's still the microwave scorer that we knew him to be last year, but he's much better at knowing how and when to pick his spots to attack, which is why his field goal percentage is up, why his effective field goal percentage is up, his three-point percentage is way up, his assist-to-turnover ratio is up. And you watch him play, he's substantially better at working within the context and the flow of an offense than he was a year ago instead of being kind of like a ball stopper, which is what, I mean, he's a rookie, but last year I felt like he was kind of a ball stopper. This Mm -hmm. year, you can put him next to two ball-dominant dudes like James Harden and Joel Embiid, and he's still uber-effective. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is crucial for the 76ers, because now you have a microwave volume scorer like Maxi that you can say, hey, take your foot off the gas a little bit or slam it. And he's effective in both contexts. Um, there's an interesting tidbit. He had a he has had a nine point jump in points per game. While their usage dropped. When have you ever heard of that? His usage, His usage went down because he has like a guy like Embiid and a guy like Harden now. So his usage is not what it was last year, but he has nine more points per game. Yeah, that's tough. That's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Even Anthony Simons can't say that. His, no, his, his usage, usage went up and as did his statistics. Mm-hmm. His usage, Tyrese Maxey's usage went down and yet he's averaging nine more points per game. That tells me that you learned the game of basketball mm-hmm. a lot better than you previously did to the point where you don't even need the ball in your hands to be effective. Yeah. But you're still effective with the ball in your hands. Like, that's a dynamic versus like the opposite player. of uh, freaking Julius Randle. Right. Like, it, like it, <laughs> I mean, shit, yeah, you remember that. But, like, this is an award that I think a lot of people miss the point of 
um, to where it's just like, okay, whose stats took yeah. it down? But yeah. I think when you influx context into it, we need to have more conversations about dudes like Tyrese Maxey who learned the game of basketball, learned different ways to contribute, got in the gym, refined their game, and came out a better player for it. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times we give it to guys who I don't think are any better than they were the previous season. They just yep. got a different opportunity. Yeah, I think we both see, get sight of that. I agree. Um, rookie of the year, did we already do that? Mobley. Mobley. It really ain't nothing to talk about. Cade's been cool. Um, but trying to be a lead guard as a I think I said really it. Tough. I think I said it on the on last pod. I was like, first now after watching him this rookie year, uh, I think AD is his floor. Everybody was like, yeah. "Oh, he he gonna be AD." AD might AD might bro. be his floor. He can pass like his floor. It's gonna be crazy. <laughs> That's with him, so man. insane to think about. I just I, I pray that he <laughs> stays healthy, but he's yeah. gonna be insane, especially playing next to a dude like Darius Garland. He's gonna. Yeah. Gonna thrive, um, and then coach of the year, bigger staff. Bigger I mean, staff. I'm giving the Cavs so much You're giving love. Giving the Cavs a hell of love, so much love, hell of so love. much more love than you know Baker Mayfield could ever give them. But I mean, it, it's I I just feel like I'm not I don't know having staff. the balls to go the opposite way in, in a sense and try the and you, you know that's a little bit on the GMs too. Mm-hmm. I forgot his name, Kobe Altman. Yeah. Um, you know, trading for a guy like Jared Allen and not feeling the pressure to kind of, you know, flip Jared Allen into something else because, oh, Mobley's going to be our guy of the future. No, I'm playing him together and see, see what happens. You ain't got nothing else to lose anyways. It's not like, you know, you're going to win a championship this year and then little do, do, do you know that, you know, th- this is a really good team, at least when everybody's healthy. Yeah. And it's not like they're super deep or, you know, they what they need right now you know is... been playing pretty good basketball for them? Who? On a side note, Isaac Okoro. He's yeah. not been what you paid for when you drafted him as high as you did, but he's been solid. He's yeah, been solid. yeah. So I'll definitely give it to Baker Staff. And, and needless to say, I mean, there, there's so many freaking coaches this year that you can give it to. Yeah. I feel like so. That's I my got choice. I got Taylor Joe Jenkins purely off of that's another one. Yeah, yeah. But I, a lot of times I feel like people um similar to most improved player wins right wins and then and it also like because it's not always necessarily the team that wins the most but people have this narrative of okay given what you have on your team how much can you make out of it which is a good way to quantify coaching right like it's cool to say okay i have um a b minus roster but we produced uh a minus season you know what i mean um but more than that i think it's it's important to interrogate how creatively coaches are approaching the game. You talked about Bickerstaff and his willingness to experiment with what they were doing um, and it's working out for him. I think that's a cool thing to do. And for them to have successfully done that, um, that shows a level of you know, confidence, creativity, and imagination. We always talk go. about this on the show. And standing ten, standing ten toes, toes down on it, on your belief, especially. Yeah. I mean, shit. Like you talked about it too. The front office had to go ahead and yeah. believe. Like, okay, we're willing to put Jared Allen and Evan Mobley invest a lot behind the, that front court. Um, I'm giving it to Taylor Jenkins because I think on the court he's been pretty creative and imaginative. Because at the beginning of the season, John Morant was going off. The Grizzlies were cool. Um, when he went down. They continued this run, and I think during that period of time, you saw the emergence of Desmond Bain. You saw the emergence Ugh. of Jaron Jackson. And for Taylor Jenkins to kind of incorporate all of those things together, led by Ja when he eventually got back into the lineup, and say, how can I take this really good depth that I have, how can I take these two young 
up and comers in Jaren and Desmond? And how can I take my superstar in Ja and make them all cohesively a unit? And he's done that tenfold, mm-hmm. right? So for him to take all of those moving pieces and create a culture, because mind you, coaches establish culture as well. Too. I mean, players establish culture, culture, but coaches contribute large and in part to that as well. And for him to kind of know his lane within that, but like also do it in a way, and you you alluded to this. Do it do it in a way where we're led by a superstar, but literally everybody contributes everybody so much. Eats. Everybody eats. like everybody contributes, but it's also a one man show. But it's also not a one man show. I mean, show, even you know? even for him to think and find ways for a rookie like Zaire Williams to contribute, right? Because you don't want to put too much on his plate too early, but they've basically said, yo, here are your assignments defensively. Here's where you move on offense. Take your open threes when you need them. And he's flourishing in his micro role that he has with the Grizzlies right now. Hell, he starts some games and looks good doing it. So a lot of times, and this is the last point that I'll make before we move on, I see teams go up and down the floor. Couldn't give a shit about the sideline. You watch the Grizzlies play, and I watch them play a lot. All those players, particularly the guards when they're in, looking to the sideline for guidance. And Taylor Jenkins, here he is right by the table, offering guidance throughout the game. I think people understate how important Taylor Jenkins, even when he had to sit out for COVID and safety protocols, like the team kind of struggled for a little bit, not Mm -hmm. having him on the sideline. So I think that says a lot to what he's been for the team this year. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to give it to Taylor Jenkins because people need to talk about him more. What up, y'all? This is Reagan coming to you at 4 o'clock in the morning from the editing bay. Um, The second part of this episode was going to be a draft. As you heard from the beginning of the episode, right? We did the coin flip, all that good stuff. But what was supposed to be a 30-minute, eight-player draft, real cut and dry, get through it, discuss it, get up out of there like we normally do our drafts, because really because we didn't have Eddie there to calm us down and redirect the show like he normally does, Julio and I kind of went ham. And what I mean by that is instead of 30 minutes, we're talking like an hour and a half. Instead of eight players, we're talking 10, right? And truth be told, it's really a pain in the ass to edit. And there's no way that I can make this show in the time constraints that we try to make the shows, right? We don't want them to go too long because we know as the listener, your ears, your your attention span simply can't last longer than an hour and some change, right? So we're not going to do that to y'all. So I'm going to have to throw this episode, or at least this part of this episode, in the back pocket. We'll probably use it for one of these weeks where class load gets to be a bit too much and we can't go in and record. We'll have that ready to go. Um, so I can't tell you exactly when that'll be, but when we do have an off week where we can't record, I'll edit that up and put it out. Um, but yeah, stay on the lookout for it because as hectic as it got, it was in hindsight, entertaining as all get out. <laughs> Julio and I are arguing about pick and roll concepts, hedging screens, all a whole bunch of mess that, you know, I would say it's definitely worth it. If I have a good pulse on what the, the listenership of Hoop and Holler likes to listen for. I'm sure it'll be entertaining to you. So 
stay on the lookout for that appreciate y'all um i'm gonna outro it from here that'll do it for this episode of hoop and holler as always go check out the socials at hoop holler pod that's on instagram that's on twitter go check out our personal socials we talk a lot of basketball on there um recording in the studio tomorrow actually so stay on the lookout for that and we will see you next time This has been the Hoop and Holler podcast.